As Pastor Audrey opened the series last week, uh, we're just going slow and steady through the book of Ephesians as we follow Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the resurrection, as we did so a few weeks ago, and, and now we just continue to ask that question and push into the meaning of what difference does it make for us? And what does the resurrection mean for us? What difference should it make in our lives? And so as we continue, it's four short verses, but yet they are loaded. <laughs> there is plenty going on here. And so I want to invite um, a prayerful entrance into God's word this morning, Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. Let's pray together. Speak to us your truth, O God. Dwell with us in love and renew us by your Holy Spirit that we come before your word, this living and active gift that we may come to know you better, Jesus. You, the living word who dwells among us and who lives in our hearts. So speak to us your truth. Dwell with us in love and renew us by your Holy Spirit as we study your word together. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. Just a reminder as we start, as, as Pastor Audrey mentioned last week, this book kind of starts up here. It starts with, with big ideas, uh, with, with lots of uh, just more heavenly approach to what we're looking at. And I think the sound effect that I heard when I listened online was Ephesians will go, it'll start up here, out and wide, and it will narrow in over time. And so we're still up here today. Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 11. In him, Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Twice repeated is this phrase, to the praise of his glory, because as the Apostle Paul is talking about all the things that God has done, it's, it's just so compelling that, that he can't help but to break out with some kind of a, a doxological response, meaning to give verbal praise to God. It's just exciting and compelling. And as he kind of lives in the up here side of thinking about heavenly things and about God's love and grace, it's, it's all up there and it's exciting. And it's like, you, you can't imagine him just trying to write this all fast enough and keeps just saying things like, to the praise of his glory. That when I think about salvation and God's grace and mercy, I can't help but to give praise to my great and glorious God. It just, it's not a compelled response, it's an impelled response. We're living up here. And so maybe for some of us, if we're really practical people, there's, 
the opening of Ephesians almost leaves us saying, hey, you know, I, I just need some, some, some tips on how to be a good and faithful Christian. Tell me how to be a good person living in this world. And what the response that we would get is this. Before we get there, we have to understand, before we know how to be a good and faithful follower of God, we need to understand how good and faithful this God is. Before you're told what you need to do, we need to focus on what God did for us, that we fully understand it is who we're following. And then the response to live in a life of obedience to God should become a very natural joy that wells up within us. So we're going to be up here for a little bit. But that that should be something that is living within us. And we come across some kind of, I would say, heady words, some, some thick words, words that it might actually be easy to get stuck on just a little bit. The book of Ephesians uses words like elect and chosen and, and predestined. And sometimes, if we come across a word like predestined and we hear talk in Christian circles about predestination, we might start to wonder, well, what's that, what's that all about? Different traditions in the church have taken different approaches to trying to explain and understand this interesting word, predestination. For one, predestination, we kind of like to think that we can make our own destiny. We're people of choice and will. There's also a belief that we have that God's sovereignty over all things has to matter. It has to count for something, and that's the hope that we're putting. When we're not sure why the world is the way it is, there's some appeal to God's sovereignty that we're drawn to. I think predestined, the way it's used in Ephesians, is a very good way to enter into understanding that word and what, what the scriptures, writers, meant when they used it. It's very easy to make too much or too little of such a word like predestined and add in elect and chosen. If we overemphasize it, which is the accusation against reformed folk like North Holland Reformed Church or reformed ministers, if we overemphasize it, we can almost get this picture of God as someone who created a bunch of robots. I have been created to accept Jesus. I will follow God's will at all costs. It does not bring any glory or honor to God to have these puppets on strings that, that have no will of their own, no decision-making power. And in fact, it removes any responsibility from us or them as the people of the church. If we're just a bunch of robots predestined programmed to do whatever God wants, well then, do whatever you will because it's exactly what God expects you to do. Predestined, overemphasized, turns us into a bunch of mindless drones. Predestination underemphasized makes God kind of a small version of God who's, who's weak and curious waiting in the skies like, well, I sent my only son into the world to die and rise again for the plan of salvation. I sure hope they figure it out. And that God is like, like waiting for the results to come in on a game show. Like, I wonder who's going to accept Jesus today if anyone does. As if God will be really surprised by who comes to salvation or not. I don't like that picture of God either, and it doesn't fit with what we understand from the scriptures either. God did not create us to be robots. 
nor is God overly surprised by the things we do. We have been predestined, chosen, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. That is a heavy-weighted sentence. We can overemphasize it, we can underemphasize it. But consider this, my friends. If we first think about Jesus as the one who is elect, then everything else can kind of make sense along the way. If it's Christ who was chosen, God's son, predestined according to this plan of salvation to work out everything from his birth in Bethlehem to his death in Jerusalem to his cross on Golgotha to his empty tomb on Easter, if that God worked out everything with Christ who is the elect, then all of the purpose of God's will of bringing people to salvation makes sense. And we who are with Christ, who are united with Christ, are included in this purpose, chosen, predestined, that God is not surprised when we are drawn to Christ or when we follow our Lord. No, none of these things. God is not surprised, nor are we robots. But rather, when it comes to our salvation, we can understand that God has total sovereignty over calling us and choosing us. And that leaves all of the room in our hearts and minds for personal responsibility, for choices and decisions that matter and carry weight, things that are true. We can marvel at God's sovereignty and at his love, and we can also give him praise for his glory because we are people who rebelled and yet Christ chose to purchase us with his own blood. Both of these things fit and work together. Try this on. Before you think about what to do, how to respond, or anything else, try this on. What does it look like in your heart? What, is it, what does it make you believe about God if you think that God chose you from before you were born, that God looked out at you and said, I am choosing you, that I want to make you one of my heirs, one that will share in my inheritance. Because that word in verse 11, in him we were also chosen. In different, maybe older translations, it would say, in him we were made heirs. We were made sons and daughters of, of the king. We were made heirs. We were predestined for this. We were chosen by God. Now, once again, we're still kind of living up here. There's a lot of theological material to wrap our minds around. And that's why I think Paul left us some really good clues, some things that we can wrap our minds around and understand as we think about all the things that are up here with God's love and grace and mercy and power before we kind of zero in on, okay, so how do we respond to all of this? Try this on as we think about verse 14, talking about the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Think about non-refundable deposits. Everybody's favorite thing, right? Consider this, uh, some have traveled recently, if not recently, at some point in life. There is something fun about planning a trip, 
about looking up some places that you might want to go, about checking into what you'll see when you're there. There is something enjoyable about just kind of the idea and fantasy of where you're going to visit and what you're going to do and what you're going to see. You can go on virtual tours for free of pretty much almost anywhere that you would want to go, except maybe Northwest Iowa. But maybe you don't want to go there. Um, but it's all fun and games. It was a very good week, by the way. It's all fun and games of planning your trip until that moment when you have to put some money down. And then, I mean, not to make snap judgments about the whole lot of you, but I do know some of y'all, and some of you are cheap. Personally, gen personally generous, but also kind of corporately stingy. And it's like, okay, this was all fun to think about the trip we're going to go on, looking at airfare, looking at where we're going to stay. But once you got to put down that non-refundable deposit, it's like, but if I do this, I can't get it back. And that might make us bristle a little bit. We might, that's where we hesitate and we're like, was this fun to think about? Or are we actually serious about going all in on this trip? Friends in Christ, God loves you so much that he did not hesitate to go to the cross to put down a non-refundable deposit on your soul. God did not give stinginess or I missed the right word. God did not give with stinginess or hesitation when he purchased our souls. God gave with willingness and generosity. God put down a deposit that he does not expect to get in return, that he does not want back. God did not hesitate the way we might hesitate to put some money down on something good. God did not hesitate in making the purchase of our souls for our salvation. I know that's still kind of up here, but I hope when we think about God's love for us in those kind of terms, that it starts to sink in right here. That God's unhesitating, unflinching love for us is like a non-refundable deposit put down on us. It's not just a fun idea to think about, but that Jesus already paid the price. God is so committed to you that you could describe to maybe some of your financially tight friends that God is non-refundable deposit committed to you. To think about being predestined, predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, predestined to be more like Jesus, predestined is nothing less than saying God has already put down a non-refundable deposit on us. Even though we as human beings, as Juliana mentioned in Confession Assurance, we walk away from God's will at times, we stray, we go the wrong way. All of this can happen, and yet, God put the deposit down on our souls. God is that committed to us. When we think about God's commitment to us, we can't help but say, to the praise of his glory, that he would love us so much. And then, what does it look like for us to celebrate that? And what does it look like for us to be mindful of this great gift and promise of God's love made real to us in Christ Jesus? I think 
God didn't worry about paying the non-refundable deposit. This was the plan all along. This was the predestined plan according to the purpose of his will that he will make all things work together for. I wonder if maybe when we're a little bit wayward on things, if we could imagine that God might occasionally leave us a less than, less than good customer review. If you think of your heart as a place where God lives and stays, not just a bed and breakfast where you expect God to leave again, but rather a permanent dwelling. But if you think of it that way, it's like sometimes God might leave not a great customer review, like, you know, not such a hospitable heart. Didn't seem to make very much time for me while I was visiting. Food less than sufficient. Of course, we're not talking about physical food at this point. We're talking about the scriptures as, as the, the bread that we want to live on, that, that we do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We don't want to starve our guests if we host them. And if we think about God who put a non-refundable deposit down to make our heart his dwelling place, would you feed your guest that came to you? Would you make time to visit with them? Some of the joy of travel is the people you get to meet along the way. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, this promised deposit lives in our hearts. And although God already knows us, it's as if God wants to take the patient time in our understanding of time to get to know us. And so we're marked with that seal marked as Christ's own, sealed by the Holy Spirit, marked as his own forever. And it's a deposit that we could even try to give back, and God would say, no, this deposit was non-refundable. This deposit was given permanently. I don't expect it back. I don't want it back. I am staying. Sometimes I'll leave you a not-so-great customer review. And that's where we need to come on back and see if we can get, you know, I'm not saying get back up to five stars on Yelp with God, but perhaps the idea is do we treat God well as a guest in our house who has paid a non-refundable deposit through the blood of his son and to understand that that is how committed God is to us. All of this is described in great detail at the beginning of this wonderful book of Ephesians before God asks anything of us through the scriptures of how we're supposed to be committed back, of how we're supposed to be living, before God asks us of any commitment, we first are made to understand his great commitment to us, his generous commitment to us, a non-refundable deposit given to us out of love. There is an old woman who told me once that uh, some advice that, that she received and cherished and put into practice um, was to, to give money, financial gifts to her grandchildren. Because sometimes they'll make you really, really proud. And sometimes maybe less so. But that you get the joy of watching it happen. Now the analogy breaks down a bit if we make that comparison to God because God knows us from before the first day that we came to be and God knows the end of our days. And yet, 
if we picture God as not one who is stingy with blessings, that's not the picture of God that we're given in Ephesians. Not a miser God who created robots to autonomously do his will. But rather, we see a God who is generous in saying, I want to give you the gift of my love, and I want to see what you'll do with it. Will we bring praise to God's glory? On our best days, absolutely. Are there days where we're going to miss the mark? For sure. And God's non-refundable deposit, committed love to us, will be there waiting for us. The times when we think, I've really messed up and I wonder if God's going to walk away from me altogether. God is just as committed as we are, but more so to our non-refundable deposits. That God will stay with us predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Who are we to think that we could mess that up or return God's non-refundable deposit to us? Or rather, in verse 13, when you believed, when you realized, when you realized, when you believed, it's like saying when you realized all along that God's plan of salvation was there for you. When you realize that, you were marked in him with a seal. We celebrate that in baptism. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Meaning, when Christ returns, that's the redemption of those who are God's possession. But until then, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Our inheritance is God's glory. So let's praise it. And our inheritance is a sure thing. Earthly inheritances come and go. They're not a certain thing. They're not a sure thing. There's no guarantees to them. But the language is used here in Ephesians 1, 11 through 14 to drive home that there is a guaranteed inheritance with God. And God has already put some skin in the game on this deposit. God is not just thinking about it, but God put skin in the game when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. God had some skin in the game putting his deposit into the world, knowing that Jesus would live, he would heal, he would feed, he would put his skin, his hands on people to heal them. He would use his hands to break bread. His feet would walk from city to city, sharing what? The good news that the kingdom has drawn near and that salvation is for us. And this is a free gift of God, that God is the one paying the deposit. There was skin in the game when his hands and feet were pierced for us. There was skin in the game when his side was pierced. And there was skin in the game when Jesus walked among the disciples again after his resurrection. God's commitment to us has some price involved in it. But the price is paid. God doesn't want it back or expect it back. But God has already paid it. And now, with excitement, not with surprise, but with eagerness, gets to watch what will we do with this. To the praise of his glory? We hope. And either way, each and every day that we live on this earth, we live with a non-refundable deposit.
in our souls. For Christ has paid the price willingly and generously for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. We think about your gifts. We think about your love for us. And maybe within us there's some new awe found. Or maybe there's a little bit of guilt. Maybe we realize that we haven't always taken what you have given us with joy or lived it out faithfully. God, today, may it be enough to dwell and reflect on your love of us and for us. And may it put a smile on our face next time we plan a trip or make a purchase where we have to put a little bit of money down, a non-refundable deposit. And may it put a smile on our hearts to know that you purchased us with a non-refundable deposit that you guarantee our inheritance. May we receive all of this good news and may it bring us to give praise to you, to your glory. Amen. As we go to a time of congregational prayer, a um, few announcements uh, to share and a couple of prayer quilts also. Um, one, we're, we're glad to share um, just the progress that Warren Brower was able to make following his uh, surgery, and yet there is still a, a pinpoint leak around that aneurysm. So we want to continue to pray for Warren and Jerry, and especially uh, that that small leak may seal just for his health and well-being. And we want to pray for any pray against any complications or surprises as he heals and recovers. Um, there's two prayer quilts down in the Reach Out Center, and so um, if you're here, we invite you afterwards to go and tie a knot and offer a prayer for the situation. If you're online, we invite you to take a note, add it to your prayer list, and uh, someone here will tie an extra knot for you. Um, the first prayer quilt we have is for Sandra Gallant. Um, Belinda Klein and Cassandra Zeibel are requesting a prayer quilt for, um, this is a longtime friend of theirs, uh, Sandra is dealing with breast cancer, and she's also recently um, retired and moved to a new state, so she's not around her family and her support network during this time. So we want to be a part of that in praying for Sandra. Um, there's another prayer quilt for Shelley Carson. Um, this one also comes as a request from Belinda and Cassandra, um, and they're requesting a prayer quilt for their friend Shelley. Um, she recently lost her son Joshua, to stage four liver failure. And she had lost another son in 2012 and her husband died 15 years ago. Um, she has experienced an incredible amount of loss in her life. And so um, with this recent loss, we want to lift Shelley to the Lord um, for all that she has gone through and for God's comfort and strength and peace. Um, we're also glad that uh, all the other surgeries went well for the Decrider family. Um, we'll pray for good healing and patience and blessings along the way. Um, good to see them uh, making, their, making their way to the back there today. Um, we're going to pray for good healing for all. Let's bring these prayers to the Lord. God, when we think about ourselves, 
We can look at the vastness of the universe that you have created and say, wow, we are simply dust. And yet, when we read the scriptures, when we read the book of Ephesians and others, we remember that, yes, we are dust, and we are dust that you so very generously love. And so, Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you love this creation that you have made and that you love us, your creatures, as a part of it. May we marvel at the grace that you have given us, the love that you have for us, and the sacrifice that you have put upon us, that you gave a deposit already of your love. Lord, we pray for the needs of those around us, especially with our prayer quilts today, we lift up Sandra and Shelley for cancer diagnosis and for a journey of death and loss. Lord, we pray that they find you and can offer honestly their laments, not um, a response of saying things could be worse, but rather to look to you, God, and say things could be better, and I wish they were. Lord, we offer this to you. We give you thanks for surgeries and procedures that could be done well for Warren and Amy and Jack this week. Lord, we give you praise for the, the knowledge that is had that doctors and nurses and surgical staff can, can do the things that they can do. We especially thank you that for Warren, there are so many non-invasive options open for him. We pray that you give him healing, restoration, and strength. Lord, we pray for those who continue on their journey of whether it be pain or loss or whether their medical journey or diagnosis continues on. Lord, for Gala and for relief from pain, for Belinda as she continues to recover, and for Russ and Belinda both as they um, make their home a place of rest and refuge. For Kara and Sandy as they both um, recover with getting their feet underneath them again. And Lord, we pray for Amanda Westhouse for her continued ongoing treatments. Lord, we also lift Chris Rossich before you as he uh, takes his dad, John, to Mayo on April 26th. Lord, we pray for um, all that may go well um, for his shoulder and arm so that they can um, make this trip count for everything that it needs to. We pray for both discerning wisdom and also for great success in procedure and for healing to follow. We continue to lift Pastor Dewey before you. Lord, for what has happened, we give you thanks, and for what is yet to come, we pray for strength and we pray for comfort and peace for Dewey and Deb. Lord, we give you thanks for Barbara's surgery and pray that you continue to bless her in healing. And also we give you thanks with Janice Ivel, not only for the surgery and the healing, but that she is cleared to return to work as an answer to prayer. Lord, for those who continue with pain in their bodies, both diagnosed and undiagnosed, for Reuben Corey and Steve Essenberg and Kim Claussen, and Lord, for others, whether it be pain of the body, pain of the mind, Lord, for all of the needs that we bring to you, whether public or private or secret. Lord, we offer all of this to you, and we ask that you make us mindful like the leper who returned to you, Jesus, 
that when prayers are answered, we're quick to give you thanks and praise and glory for progress made, for breakthroughs that happen, for small steps that count for something. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the generosity of this place, for tithes and offerings that are given both faithfully and in good faith. We pray for the wisdom of our deacons in the distribution of gifts and for the care of this place. Lord, for each one, we give you thanks. And we pray that as we give, we may be reminded that we are blessed to be a blessing. And you have blessed us beyond measure. Because as Ephesians tells us, you have chosen us. You have predestined us according to your plan. And that you have worked out everything in conformity with the purpose of your will. For the gospel of our salvation. Lord, for these things we give you thanks and praise. For the generosity that we have, we learn from you. For in your love, you are truly generous. May we give you praise to your glory for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.